still with me up to this point, you've heard all about my childhood, my school years, my college years, my early days of marriage, and the birth of my first two kids. You've heard pretty much everything I can remember from the first 30 years of my life, from 1981 all the way through 2010, and this week we discuss the year 2011 a mellow year that I'm going to call the afternoon picnic, a year in which things were fairly easy and enjoyable. Stick around and I'll tell you all about it. I'm Jacob Slate and this is my entire life. So if you listen to the last episode, you'll remember that in October of 2010, I booked a job that would turn out to be the biggest paycheck of my photography career because it has proved to be one of my greatest clients and one of my longest serving clients of all time. This is the company PCMA, an event company that uh, puts on these big events every year one giant event in January and one smaller event in June. And in January of 2011, I got on an airplane and flew to Las Vegas, Nevada for the first time in my life. I've been back many times since, but it was just so exciting at that point in my life because it was the first time I was hired to leave the state really. I mean, I had shot some weddings and things like in Memphis and, you know, Southern Missouri and things like that. But, and I've traveled a lot around Arkansas, you know, prior to this, but this was a big event. This was the first time anybody paid me to get on an airplane and put me up in a hotel. And, you know, it was like a whole week's worth of shooting for a real client that wasn't a wedding. And it was just, I'm just so thankful that they took a chance on me and uh, and gave me that opportunity. So I'm flying to Las Vegas. It was just such an exciting feeling. Um, Vegas, you know, it's it's intoxicating, you know, at first, for sure. Um, I mean, it's like nothing else I had ever seen before. You know, it's it's wild. It's it's kind of just like exactly what you might imagine. You know, the the people watching is wild and and just it's just so interesting and cool. And uh, so I landed Vegas. I take a cab over to uh, my hotel, which was at the MGM Grand, which is where the the main event was happening that I was going to be shooting that week. And that night, I uh, hooked up with my second shooter, uh, my assistant photographer, my sidekick uh, for the first time, my boy Andy Chasteen. Um, It was the very first time we had really hung out together, but I knew him from uh, rock climbing. He had put on this event called 24 Hours of Horseshoe Hell, and but I also knew that he was a photographer, and he and I kind of connected online and talked photography a lot. And you know, I was kind of done with my rock climbing life for the most part, um, but uh, but I was still in that world a little bit. And so uh, when I got this job, I knew that I was going to need a second shooter for it. And uh, Andy is the only person that I thought of because I had to find somebody that. I was going to be able to hang out with for a whole week and, uh, you know, and, and goof around and have a good time with. And even though I had never really hung out with Andy before, 
I knew that we were going to jive really well. And it turns out that that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, and it was just so cool. And I was so excited that he wanted to uh, take the job and everything and come work with me that week. And, uh, and so that night we, uh, we met up in my hotel room and he knocked on the door and it was like, what's up, man. And like, it was really funny because right off the bat, you know, like we didn't know each other very well. And so we're just kind of talking about the schedule for the week and kind of coming up with, you know, general plans for the, the shooting and everything, because we had a very, um, busy schedule for the week of, of events there in Vegas for PCMA. And so we're splitting that stuff up and, And, uh, so that was kind of the first time that we hung out and, you know, it's just significant because Andy has become such a great friend over the last 10 years and, uh, and we've shot so many events together and it was just so cool to look back on this time of, uh, our very first job together. And anyway, so we, we make plans for the event and everything and and we kind of line out the schedule and I had no idea what to expect for this event. I mean, it was just... I had, all I had was a massive schedule. I knew there was going to be like 5,000 people and lots of, uh, sort of networking receptions and big, you know, keynote speakers and big name people and, uh, you know, just a lot to do. And so I was super excited, but also, uh, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but just, I felt like there was a lot going on and it turned out to be just an amazing, amazing week. And I remember talking to Andy and we were both like, Look, we could have this job traveling the world, the, not the world, but the country for really as long as we want it if we do a good job this week. So let's just absolutely kick ass and crush this thing and, and just put in 500% effort and, uh, and just give this client like the absolute best possible product because we want to win this job uh, for a long time. And so we both really worked hard that week and, and crushed it. And so what we did was when we split up the schedule, we basically just split it up by time and not by um, priority or even like magnitude of item on the schedule. And so it was funny because some of the um, line items on the schedule were like small breakout sessions of maybe 15, 20 people in like a dark room. And the one one that was happening at the exact same time was like a gigantic um event with you know 4000 people and lights and performances and everything it was like it was just insane and so it was it was there was a big learning curve you know going on there for us and and not just because it was our first time at PCMA but it was our first time shooting any kind of real big event um and it was just it was just so wild uh some of the highlights from that event was I'll never forget the opening reception um, on the very first, or maybe it was the second night uh, that we were there, but it was like all we had on the line item on the event was opening reception, and there was like a time frame for it, and we had no idea what to expect, and we go into this room, and of course, it's like Vegas style, you know, over the top, everything is over the top. We go in this, you know, giant event space, and as we approach it, we can both see like, this is going to be insane. And because outside they have like jugglers and like guys on stilts and like guys like blowing fire and like, um, contortionists, you know, artists and just 
it was just all of the Vegas like insanity that you might expect. It was like Cirque du Soleil type stuff. So we're shooting that. We're just like frantically shooting everything. We go inside the room and there's probably like four or five different stages and they've got, you know, these uh, rat pack impersonators on one stage and they're like fantastic. And on another stage, they've got an Elvis impersonator. And these aren't like low rent things. These are high quality, like, and I'm not an expert on this type of thing, but it seemed to me like they probably got the best of the best for this event, you know, I mean, these guys were really, really amazing guys and ladies, um, just, just absolutely amazing. And, uh, and they had like Madonna impersonators, like all of the big time, um, you know, Marilyn Monroe and all of the big sort of impersonators that you expect to see in Vegas. Not as cool as having the real thing, of course, but like, it was still just wild. And I remember with Andy, like we walked in and I was like, holy shit, like, okay, we need to go get more gear. So we like go back to our office area and, um, you know, we, we like grab our tripods and everything. And we're like, just, we're just thinking like, we got to shoot everything. We got to shoot amazing food shots of all the uh, appetizers and things that were going around. We got to shoot amazing entertainment shots of the performances and, and the lighting and everything. And we got to shoot, you know, party pics of like attendees having a good time and laughing and the lighting's crazy because there's all these lights going on. It was just, it was just wild. And it was just so much fun to be there and be doing that. And I remember like basically after each night that we would shoot, sometimes we'd shoot until like, you know, 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. And after the end of the night, like me and Andy would just walk out onto the strip we'd like leave all our stuff at the hotel and and in our office and go out on the strip in vegas and just like roll up a cigarette and like sit there and just kind of hang out and kind of debrief the day and really get to know each other and stuff and it was just it was just so so exciting i can't say that enough while we were there of course my brother hunter was also there um because he was working for the company still at that time and so i was hanging out with hunter and you know, catching up with him. And he ended up getting us tickets to go see the Blue Man Group, which was just freaking awesome. It was completely awesome. If you ever have a chance to see them, uh, you should absolutely go check it out. Um, but it was just so cool. And and then the, the very last thing that I'll mention from that was the very last night of the event, there was like two different receptions happening. And, and just like all the other ones, Andy and I had no idea what was what and and what to expect and so we just split them up and uh in in the next few years we ended up basically tag teaming everything which ended up being a much better plan but we back back then in 2011 we split them up and so Andy ended up going to this reception that turned out to be like really small and kind of nothing and I went to this reception that was gigantic and uh, it was like at the rooftop bar of, um, I think it was the Wynn Hotel and Casino uh, there in Vegas. And, you know, so the, basically the attendees at these conferences are, are, are meeting planners, you know, and, and convention and meetings and convention industry people. And, uh, and so they're milling around. And for the most part, it's like just kind of middle-aged people, a lot from the Midwest. And, you know, they're all super cool and nice people and everything. Uh, and they're at this huge rooftop bar and it's super extravagant. And the entertainment at this night was basically strippers. I mean, I mean, they were strippers for sure, but they weren't like stripping all the way. 
but it was very, very close and it was super awkward because I remember walking into this party and again, they had the contortionist people and like fire breathers and stuff like that. And I remember seeing uh, two stages, um, one on each kind of end of the uh, of the event space. And both stages were basically um, set up with just like uh, a, a runway and like a stripper pole on each end. And I was like, whatever's going to happen here is going to be wild <laughs> for sure. And, uh, and sure enough, like towards the end of the party um this the music changes and like the the spotlights come onto the stage and so everybody's like all right let's see what's about to happen and this stream of like uh dancers just comes out men and women and it looks like i've never like been to a victoria's secret like fashion show but i've seen like videos and stuff and it's like people wearing like these wings and like underwear and like just kind of bizarre like lingerie and crazy stuff and they're just like stomping out and of course they're all like gorgeous and i remember seeing like these guys walking by with these black angel wings on and like the black leather like straps all over them and stuff and it was just like what the hell is this and i remember like i was shooting them because i got to shoot the entertainment it was so awkward and so uncomfortable and then i turn around and shoot the photos of the people watching it and it was just like, they all had the same kind of look of like, what is this? Like, you know, it's like exciting, but like they all felt like a little bit too inhibited to like really enjoy it. And uh, although some people were, and it was just so funny and so bizarre. And I remember just thinking like, my life is so awesome right now. Like this is so cool and so ridiculous that I get to do this type of stuff. Um, and, uh, and so it just turned out to be just an amazing event, an amazing time. And, you know, throughout the event, my people at PCMA, my contacts there kept telling me like, you guys are so awesome. Oh my gosh, thank you for being here. Like they were so cool and so nice and so like just gracious towards us. And, and, and they spoke so highly of the photos that we were, um, cranking out cause we would, you know, upload photos throughout the event and it just worked so well. And they basically were saying to us, like, before the event was even over, like, we can't wait to have you guys back next year, like, plan on getting this job and keeping it for as long as you want it. And uh, and so it just felt amazing. It was like, this is the way to start a year. Like, it, it just felt really good, especially compared to, you know, previous years where, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel as uh, as secure in my finances as I did that year. Now, again, it's important to note, like, we're still in the hole, you know, financially at this point, you know, I mean, we, we were not making, I mean, we were making it, but we weren't wealthy by any means. And we still aren't, let's be honest, but like, you know, we weren't completely out of the woods, but it, we were feeling comfortable again, you know, and that was just a really, really good place to be. So I fly home from Vegas and I'm feeling good about that. And I actually booked with PCMA their, uh, uh, summer conference as well. Like basically right at the end of the, uh, January event, they said, Hey, let's, let's lock down this, this June event and, and get that on the books. And the June event was going to be in Baltimore, Maryland, which I was excited. I'd never been there either. And, uh, and it was also going to be basically right when, uh, my wife's birthday was when she was going to be turning 30, June 19th. And, uh, and it was, it was actually just a few days after that. And so kind of to celebrate and, um, you know, just 
just celebrate everything, including her birthday, but just like photography kind of working out and everything. We, uh, I decided to bring Micaiah with me for like the first part of that trip. And we were actually going to go to Washington, D.C. and spend a few days there and celebrate her birthday um, before I went on to Baltimore to shoot the event. And so that's what we did. We flew into D.C. in June and we left my kids with my parents and, uh, and me and Makai went and had a great time in DC. And I don't remember a ton about that trip, except that we just had a great time, like going to the museums. And if you've never been to DC, you know, pretty much all the museums there are free, you know, and like open to the public. And I just remember like walking down, walking around the, um, the national mall and just looking at the monuments and the, the memorials and stuff. And, checking out the museums and just having a great time with my wife. Honestly, it was just so much fun, especially after like a couple of tough years and, you know, having kids, it was kind of one of the first times that we, you know, got to get away, you know, without the kids and, and she was turning 30. There was just so much to celebrate. And, uh, we just, we ate good food and we had a good time and and we rented bikes and, you know, just goofed around and, and it was just so amazing and uh and we just had a blast there and then after uh dc i continued on to baltimore and uh this was an event that i wasn't shooting with andy i, I shot this event by myself every year um but uh you know being in baltimore was cool and just just being in a hotel and just exploring a city and i've just really uh always loved you know exploring a city you know by myself in a lot of ways you know where you just kind of have some time to kill and you you know walk out the front door of the hotel and you go see what you can see, you know, and wander around. And I remember walking around the, uh, the Harbor area there in Baltimore and, you know, getting some seafood and just kind of, it was just so fun to just be out there, you know? And again, my brother Hunter was there and, uh, and I got to hang out with him and just had a blast and shot more, you know, this event stuff, which I was just really loving and kind of like Hunter got us tickets to see Blue Man Group in Vegas, he also got us tickets to go see U2 in, uh, there in Baltimore, which was amazing. Uh, Florence and the Machine opened up for U2. I had never seen either one of those bands. And I really didn't know much about Florence and the Machine, but, you know, I was a huge U2 fan. I mean, who isn't? They're one of the greatest, greatest bands of all time, like for sure. And, you know, I'd always heard about these legendary U2 concerts, and it was just so cool to see it. Uh, it was in some stadium. I don't remember what stadium it was in. Uh, but they put on an amazing, amazing show, and, and, and we just had such a freaking blast. And, and I just can't overstate it enough. Like, traveling for work, getting paid to travel is something I always wanted to do. I did not ever think it was going to be really possible and here I am doing it, you know, I'd done two good events that year. And by that time, PCMA was sell saying like, hey, we want you for next year and next year, and next year, like you got this job as long as you want it. And so, you know, and they had their calendar booked out, you know, for the future for where the next events were going to be. And I'm thinking about like, we're going to get to go to San Diego and Boston and, you know, Vancouver and, and all these cool places. And I was just so excited about it. Um, it, it just felt like things were, were going well, you know, and it, which is, it's a great feeling anyway, but it's an amazing feeling when you've had a, a tough time, you know, and for anybody out there that's listening, that's in the middle of a tough time, I know what it's like. And I'm telling you, 
you know, it'll pass, you know, the tough times will pass and things will get good again. I really do believe it. So, you know, hold on hope for that and, and, and don't give up because if you got a good idea and a good goal and a good direction, it's going to work out. I, I just believe it, you know, maybe that's naivete, but, uh, I just think it's true. You know, in my experience, it's been true. If you're in a tough time, the tough time will come to an end. Just take a deep breath and just kind of rest on that truth. You know, it's it's been the truth for me, no doubt. So after the Baltimore event and hanging out in D.C. with Micaiah, you know, I come home and, you know, it's in the middle of summer and back to kids, back to life. And I'm still shooting, uh, you know, family pictures and weddings a lot and it was just a really great time for photography and, and for life. And that's kind of why I, I think about this year as like the afternoon picnic. You know, it was like after, you know, a, a difficult couple of years. And in hindsight, it was before, um, I, I don't want to say difficult, sometimes difficult, but a significant couple of years for sure. And and this year of 2011 was just kind of a nice mellow year. It was just enjoyable. I'm sure there was some negative things in there, but I have must have washed them out of my mind because when I think about it, these are the things that come to mind, you know. So the summer continues on and I want to say in like late July or early August, uh we start planning for my little brother Scram's bachelor party. He was going to be getting married, I believe, in August and uh, to this amazing, awesome girl named Rachel that was like, my little brother's always been one of the coolest people I know, just in terms of just pure coolness, okay? On a scale of 1 to 10, Scram has always been at a solid level 9 cool, you know, just just pure coolness like it's one of those indefinable things but you know it when you see it and scram has always been cool i feel like i've always been pretty cool too but scram's always been cooler than me and this girl he was gonna marry rachel it was actually at a level 10 cool and she still is she's just one of the coolest people ever um and like you know cool people they know they're cool but also, they probably don't realize how cool they really are. And Scram and Rachel were two of my favorite people, still are. And uh, and I was just so excited about them getting married and getting to, you know, have this bachelor party. Which, like, you know, who doesn't love a good bachelor party? Especially when, you know, it's for your brother. And Scram and I shared a lot of the same friends. We, we had almost all of our friends were exactly the same people. And so... You know, it was just, I was super stoked about it. And so the bachelor party plan was we were going to go up to the Buffalo River here in Arkansas, uh, float the river, camp out at Horseshoe Canyon Ranch, um, just kind of goof around and, and do the fun stuff that we used to do all the time. And as the bachelor party started to approach, I, uh, I realized that, um, well, one of the things we were going to do was my older brother, our older brother, Hunter, was going to fly in from New York uh, to come to the bachelor party. And for whatever reason, he was going to fly into Memphis. It was cheaper for him to fly into Memphis, I guess. And so the plan was me and Scram were going to drive to Memphis, pick up Hunter, clown around in Memphis for one night, and then drive uh, up to the Buffalo River the next day to, you know, get the party started with everybody else. And... Most of the time when I travel anywhere, I look and see like what bands are playing in town, 
you know, well, I'm going to be there. And so I, I, I looked up the date and, uh, and there's, you know, any night of the week, there's a bunch of music happening in Memphis. Uh, but on this night, one of my absolute favorite bands was playing that I was kind of, I had been into for a while, but I had recently been listening to a lot. And that was Ratatat. And oh my gosh, if you haven't listened to Ratatat, uh, you need to pause this podcast and just turn it on right now. Any, any Ratatat music is fantastic. And it's basically just two guys that play guitars over some like really sick beats. And it's just like so much fun. And so Ratatat's going to be in Memphis. And so we all kind of quickly like buy tickets to go see Ratatat, go see him. The show was absolutely amazing. It was exactly uh, what you want it to be. It was just fun. It's just like strobe lights and Ratatat just like cranking out some killer tunes. You know, it's these two like skinny white guys with long hair and they wear like black t-shirts and black jeans and then they have like gold like rope chains like thick rope chains you know around their neck and like sunglasses they're just like the coolest guys ever and uh, so we go see Ratatat and it was just incredible and then the next day we uh we drive up to the Buffalo River for the bachelor party and the bachelor party was amazing everybody shows up I mean it was basically I think everybody that we invited came and again it was just like all of my friends all Scram's friends and Hunter's there and he like isn't as tight with these guys as we are but he knows them they know him and it was just so much fun and and we camp out at um Kyle's Landing the first night and you know had a great time there and then we uh we get on the Buffalo River to float the very next day and I had told everybody a lot of the guys on this trip weren't as familiar with floating the Buffalo River as I was. And so I was kind of giving them some tips and pointers. And one of the tips that I gave them was you cannot bring glass bottles on the river. Under no circumstances can you bring glass bottles on the Buffalo River. Um, number one, it's illegal um, and you might get in trouble for it, although I had never seen anybody get in trouble for it. But number two, um, you know, it, it, if, if it breaks, you know, it can screw up your boat, you can cut yourself, it can, it can pollute the river. It's just a bad idea. They sink to the bottom. They basically never go away. And, uh, it's just, it's just a bad idea. And so I told everybody that very clearly and we get to the river. And of course, one of the guys on our trip had brought a whole bunch of glass bottles and he did that because he was uh, gluten free. And so he had to get this gluten free beer that only came in glass bottles i guess and but that's that's what he did and i was like dude i told you you can't bring glass bottles you, you might get a ticket for this i don't know but you might i'm just you've been warned okay and he's like yeah yeah whatever and so sure enough like we put our boats on the river and uh we kind of you know we're still like getting situated like we're we, we, we push off and we're we're kind of getting our you know boat situated and getting your seat fixed right and kind of getting your paddle together and snapping your life jacket and everything we're floating and we go around this curve and sure enough like right there around that first curve there's a, a park ranger standing there and, and the buffalo river is a national park so this is federal property right and uh the park ranger standing there on this uh, sand bank and he's, he's just waving us over and so I was like, okay, here we go. And so we all kind of paddle over. We probably had, I don't know, seven or eight boats on the river, canoes, kayaks. And so we, we paddle over. And as we're paddling over, the one guy in our group that has glass bottles in his boat 
is like sort of pretending like he's not seeing the guy or whatever, you know, waving us over. And it was just like super obvious, right? And so the park ranger was like, okay, all you guys that just paddled over here, y'all can go. But you on the other side trying to ignore me, yeah, you come over here. We got to talk. And so my buddy paddles over. His name's Jake. He paddles over and the guy's like, you got any glass bottles in there? And Jake's like, no. And the guy's like, open your cooler. And he opens the cooler. And of course, it's full of glass bottles. Um, I think he had 12 of them. Yeah, he had 12 glass bottles. And uh, and he's like, you know, you can't have glass bottles in the river. And Jake's like, I didn't know that. And I'm like, whatever, dude. And he said, I got to take your glass bottles and I got to give you a ticket for them. And he's like, whatever, man. And I believe, I'm pretty sure I remember this right, but I believe the ticket was actually um, $30 per glass bottle. So he got a ticket, he got 12 tickets essentially for $30 uh, for all those glass bottles, Um, which just like sucks. So that's $360 ticket and he got all of his beer taken away for the whole trip, right? And it was just so funny. Like, we were all just, like, laughing at him. Like, dude, we told you you can't do that, you know. And he's like, fuck you guys, you know. Whatever, man. So that was just hilarious, and we're all laughing at him. And then he ends up just drinking all of our beer anyway, and he's got, like, this gluten allergy, and it was just a a total mess. But the river float after that was just so much fun. And I just remember, like, basically just uh, just drinking beer and floating the river just like you do, you know, and you know, stopping and eating snacks and, you know, just skipping rocks and stuff. And I remember one guy on our trip, Jason, had uh, had brought a bunch of Bud Light Lime. And I had never had one of those before. And I was like, dude, let me see one of those Bud Light Limes. And I remember drinking and I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. And this is the greatest beer I've ever had in my life. And it was so good. And we like pulled over and, and my buddy Greg's like, hey, let's all shotgun a beer right now. And we're all like, yeah, you know, and everybody shotguns a beer. And it's just one of those just like fun magical days and and then towards the end of the float one of the guys just like jumped out of his canoe and like swam over i was in a kayak he just like swam over to my kayak and just climbed onto the front of it and just like laid out you know like he's just like sun tanning while like laid out on the front of my kayak and we're just like laughing and it's like a lazy river float and so much fun. And we we finished the float. And that night we were going to go and camp at Horseshoe Canyon Ranch, which, you know, you've heard me talk about it on this podcast before. It's one of my favorite places on the earth. And, and I just love it so much. It just brings so much joy to my life. So we go camp at Horseshoe and, you know, we're, we're, we got a fire going up there and it's just a beautiful night and everybody's having a good time. And We light a fire and everything. We're sitting around just talking and kind of, you know, drinking, passing around the bottle and stuff. And at some point, um, these two, like, guys from, like, Eastern Europe, I want to say they were from Ukraine, just, like, walked over and and were like, you know, what's up with you guys, you know? And they're just chatting us up and everything. And, and, you know, they were cool and they were funny. And they had this giant bottle of liquor. I don't really remember what it was. Um, Maybe it was just vodka. I I don't know. But they had this huge bottle of liquor. And they were like... In Ukraine, we tell stories around the campfire, you know, and they, it's like, okay, great. And so he said, here's what you do. You tell a short story, we pass you the bottle, you take a huge swig of vodka, and then you pass the bottle, next guy, he tells a story. And so it was just like storytelling time. So it was just so cool. We passed the bottle around, and we're telling stories and drinking vodka with this guy, and like, 
you know, it's also Scram's bachelor party, and we're just like, you know, the the, the excitement is up, you know. It's just one of those just really fun nights. You know, if you can imagine sitting around a campfire with all your best friends and a couple of new guys from Ukraine, and, you know, you're drinking, you're having a good time, and you're telling stories, and you know what? It was just love being shared, you know? That's what it was. It was just love being shared among friends and strangers, and it felt like a community sort of situation, and it was just so great. It was just one of those just, like, wholesome fun, getting a little bit wild in the best possible way, kinds of things you know and, and we just absolutely loved it and, and sadly it had to come to an end because scram's wedding was coming up and we were all going to be coming back for that and i believe the wedding was like two or three weeks after the bachelor party and so we had that to look forward to and so the wedding comes up and it's i believe it's in the middle of august somewhere and they got married up in fayetteville arkansas and everybody goes up for the wedding and everything and i remember at the very beginning um Rachel uh my my brother's you know soon to be wife was like kind of giving out assignments for the day for the uh all the groomsmen you know and the ushers cuz there was a lot that had to be done and we were all like happy to do whatever they needed us to do and everything and i remember she was some people had to like go pick up the food and some people had to set up tables for the reception and you know, some people had to do some, I don't know, decoration type stuff. And I, I don't remember everything. All I do remember is that she said, okay, and somebody has to go get the beer. And that's going to be Jake and Jacob. You know, that's me and my buddy Jake. Same guy that, that got the ticket for all the beer at the Buffalo River, all the glass bottles. And she said, Jake and Jacob, you guys have to drive up to Missouri to pick up beer because the wedding was on a Sunday. And one of the dumbest things ever is that you can't buy alcohol in sun on Sundays in Arkansas. So we had to drive up to Missouri uh, to get the beer, which I think was just about an hour drive um, up to uh, Macadoodles liquor store, just across the state line of Missouri. So me and Jake are like, hell yeah, that's exactly what we want to do today is cruise around and, and go get the, you know, the beer. So we drive up there and we're just kind of chatting it up and laughing and goofing around and we're talking about how excited we are about the wedding and and we're saying like we got to make this extra special like what can we do to make this an extra special day for scram and rachel and on the way back we had this idea like oh i got it let's go to walmart and get a bunch of cans of silly string and we'll like save them for when they exit the reception for their like grand exit we'll pass out the silly string to all the groomsmen and we'll just spray them down like crazy with silly string. And it'll be, you know, it'll be amazing. You know, it'll be a total surprise, the silly string surprise, you know? And so we're like, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. So we got all the alcohol and everything. We stopped by Walmart and we got like a dozen, you know, cans of silly string. And, uh, you know, we're just like laughing our asses off, like, like seventh graders, like, you know, it's an amazing thing to be an adult, but still have the mind of a seventh grader and, and then also have a little bit of money. That's a very dangerous combination. And uh, it can also make life extremely fun. And that's exactly what we did. So we go to the wedding. We don't tell anybody about the silly string surprise. We just keep that between us. And, you know, prior to the wedding, you know, you do photos and everything. And actually, my buddy Andy um, came in to shoot the wedding for us, which was really fun to get to see him and hang out with him again. And, uh, so we're hanging out before the wedding, we're doing photos, you're putting your suit on and everything. And we're taking shots before the wedding, drinking Jameson and, and just clowning around and having a freaking blast. 
and the whole like pre-wedding stuff was just so much fun. And, and I remember like as the wedding uh, is like about to happen, like the moments right up to the wedding, we, uh, Sam and Rachel had not seen each other, um, you know, prior to the wedding. And so, you know, th- the excitement is high and the tension is high and the nervousness is up and everything. And, but we got a little bit of, you know, whiskey in our system and we're feeling groovy and everything. And I can't speak to where my brother was in, in his mind, but, you know, I, I think that he was probably had all those exact same feelings, excitement, nervousness, you know, whatever, anticipation and everything. And, and I remember like right before, um, the wedding started, like basically all the guys were going to walk down the aisle together. And that was kind of the first thing that happens in the wedding. Right. And so we're all standing in a row, um, lined up to walk down and I'm talking to my brother and everything. And, and I just remember like right before he walked down, I just gave him a nice dead leg right in the thigh, you know, just bang, like popped him right in the thigh with my knee. And he's like, Oh, you know, and I remember he had to like kind of shake it out a little bit before he started walking. And then also right before we started walking, I told my buddy behind me, Alex, um, I said, Alex, he's just this guy that you just love to mess with. Um, everybody loves Alex. And I was like, Alex, and he takes things very seriously. Like he was not trying to screw up the wedding and I wasn't either, but I was trying to have some fun. And I was like, Alex, when they say the prayer at the beginning of this wedding, I'm going to turn around and karate chop you in the neck. And he was like, don't do that, dude. Don't do that. Please don't do that. I was like, I'm doing it. There's nothing you can do to stop me. And he's like, no. And so then at dead leg scram, we all walked down the aisle, we're lined up and everything. And then the most amazing thing happens. The most amazing thing happens. You guys, I, I can't overstate this. Um, all the guys are lined up, all the crowd is there and they're seated. The, uh, the pastor is there and you know, everything is ready and all of the uh, bridesmaids have walked down the aisle and everybody's standing, everybody's ready. And the very next thing that's going to happen is that Rachel, the bride is going to walk down the aisle. Now, this is a special moment in every wedding. Um, it, it may be the most exciting moment of the wedding. You know, the, the, the thing that you anticipate the most, we want to see the bride, right? We want to see the dress. We want to see how pretty she looks this day and everything. And, and, and also just the father-daughter aspect of it. You know, her dad was going to be walking her down the aisle. And it's just, it's just a special moment in any wedding. And it's a moment that, as a wedding photographer, I've always enjoyed. I just love seeing that moment. You know, this, this beautiful bride, they're always beaming. They're always glowing and beautiful on their wedding day. And it's just, it's just such a fun thing to see basically somebody's dream, like, coming true, you know. Um men and women both like, you know, dream about their weddings for their whole lives. But I think probably women much more so and, uh, and their, and their dress and everything. It was just the anticipation was high. Right. And whatever music was playing prior to, uh, prior to Rachel coming down stops and this new music starts. And I didn't know what the music was going to be, but I hear this melody begin to crackle through the speakers and, and it's crackling in in this almost distorted way, you know, which I knew was like part of the music. Like it, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't screwed up, but it was just this beautiful high pitched kind of, you know, just sort of twinkling of, of notes. And then the bass line starts to come in 
and I recognize the song. It's a song by the band Seeger Ross, and the name of the song is Met Blot Nasir. I didn't know the name of the song at the time. All of their songs have crazy names, but I've since learned the name of the song. And uh, and so this song, song starts, and the bass comes in. And right when that bass comes in, they, my brother and Rachel got married at this barn. And right when that bass comes in, the barn doors open up. We're outside, and there's Rachel and her dad. And, folks, I cannot possibly describe to you the beauty of that moment in words that will do it any kind of real justice. But um, it was just so special, you know? The, the music was perfect. and The bass came in with that heavy you know, heart to it. And, and I'm there and I love my brother and I love my future sister-in-law and she's just gorgeous and she's beaming and her dad is so proud and everybody stands up and the music keeps coming in and the drums come in and uh, it was just magical. It was one of the most beautiful, most angelic moments I've ever seen in my life. I mean, ever. Um, and, you know, I, I think probably like if I had been even like relatively in my right mind at my own wedding, I probably would have had the exact same feelings. I mean, I did have very, very similar feelings, but I had Adderall and Xanax pumping through my system during my wedding. And so, you know, things were, were whack and I was like sobbing and crying all day. It was a mess. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but similar amounts of just beauty and joy and amazingness and everything. But for some reason, uh, at Scram's wedding, I think it was probably just the fact that I just love my brother so much, you know, and I was just so excited to see him marrying this girl that was so perfect for him. And, 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 and I could just see and feel in his heart that he was just like, oh, you know, all the emotions were coming out and I look over and he starts to kind of tear up and he's wiping his eyes and he's smiling and it's just beautiful. And I remember it was just so magical. I actually had to take a knee, you know, I actually, I actually dropped down and took a knee um, not, not because I felt like I was going to, you know, pass out or anything, but I just wanted to just like take a step back and remove myself and just be an observer of the moment, you know, and just really get a good sense of what was happening and just sort of burn it into my mind, you know, and I, and that's exactly what I did. I mean, I'll never forget just that moment of her walking down the aisle and coming to her, her bridegroom. Right. And, uh, and, and linking up with him and her father giving her away. It was just one of those really special moments, you know, that I, I'll, I'll never forget. And so her father gives her away and everything. And, and then Scram and Rachel kind of, you know, take hands together and, and they face each other. And then, you know, the wedding really starts. Um, and it, it was just amazing. But at the very start of the wedding, the very first thing they did um, after Rachel came down the aisle was they said the prayer. And they, so he said, you know, let's pray or whatever. And so they pray and everything. And, you know, as soon as he starts the prayer, I, I nod my head and everything. And, and, uh, and then I look back up again and turn around and I look at Alex and he's standing right behind me and he, he, he looks up at me and he's like giving me these eyes, like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I pull my hand up nice and slow and I karate chopped him right in the freaking neck and he's like trying to hold it in and a couple of other guys like saw me do that and they're laughing and everything and it was just so much fun and uh you know so the wedding continues and everything and I mean it, it was just the whole thing was just magical you know but the one other thing that I actually remember really clearly about the wedding itself was at some point 
during the uh during the ceremony um my brother uh recites this poem you know this was like part of the program or whatever but he recites this poem um, by E.E. E. Cummings, which is called I Carry Your Heart With Me. And I'd never heard it before, but it was just like this, just beautiful, just like deep heart, true love stuff. And and it just, it was just so amazing. And, I, and I'll never forget, um, you know, so I'm standing essentially right behind Scram. And so, and he's facing Rachel. And so Rachel is basically facing me and she's got tears in her eyes and they're smiling and they're doing that, that happy, smiley, teary face. That's just so contagious. And so we're all kind of having that same face. And I remember seeing Rachel looking so intently at Scram while he's, you know, saying this poem and he finishes the poem with the line. Um, the, the final line is I carry your heart. And then Rachel replies, um, which seemed to me to be like out of the blue, but you know, I guess it was planned, but I didn't know it. But so Rachel, there's some, so Scram says, I carry your heart. And Rachel says back to him, I carry it in my heart. And like, oh my gosh, like it just crumbled me, man. It was just so beautiful and, and so amazing. And, uh, so anyway, I, I forget whatever happened in the rest of the wedding. Those, those things just just marked me and, and and I'll never forget those things. The wedding ends, we walk out, you know, and I remember, um, they walked out to, um, uh, a, a Johnny Cash and, and June Carter Cash song. Uh, I think it's called if I were a carpenter and it's just this beautiful, happy, you know, bouncy, dancy country song and everything. And anyway, we go to the reception. The reception's amazing. We dance, we laugh, we drink, we eat food, we eat cake. And, you know, the playlist is amazing because it's made by all of my favorite people. And one of my favorite parts of the reception was, um, you know, my wife and daughter and son are there and everything. And uh, for the most part, my parents are holding my son because he's a little baby. My daughter, Emma, she was actually the um, the uh, flower girl for the wedding. And so she's in this cute little dress and everything. And and uh, at some point in the reception, they play the song Praise You by Fatboy Slim, which is such a fantastic like dance song and i remember like everybody kind of crowded around emma and she's in the middle of this circle just dancing her little butt off in her cute little flower girl dress and we're all kind of like you know giving her the jazz hands and stuff and it was just so it just filled my heart up so much with just joy and love and happiness just to have this moment and then later in the reception I remember they played the song, um, The World Has Turned and Left Me Here by Weezer, which is one of the greatest songs of all time. And uh, it's just amazing. And I remember we like picked up Scram and Rachel and held them up in the air and, you know, kind of like the thing that you do at like Jewish weddings. But like, I don't think we had chairs. We were just like hoisting them up. It was just so much fun and so amazing. And then uh, pretty quickly, um, like basically right at the height of the fun of the reception, Scram and Rachel, I see them look at each other and they were like, let's get out of here, you know? And they were like, okay. And I remember like, wait, 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 wait. like, don't run out yet. We got to get this, we got to get the exit thing ready and everything. And so pretty quickly we like, everybody scatters outside and they had the car parked. They had this little beater pickup truck, um, you know, as their getaway car. I don't remember where that truck came from, but it was really cool. Um, so we're all lined up outside and I ran to my car and I get the silly string and I start passing it out to the groomsmen. And and I said, like, look, let's, we, you know, there was this big row, long line of people where, where they were going to run out and we were going to throw birdseed at them, you know, like you do. But, um, 
but I gave all this groomsmen a silly string can. I said, just spread out, like don't all stand together. So we get a nice coverage of silly string as they run out. And so, um, you know, we're all lined up and sure enough, Scram and Rachel like burst out the doors and then almost immediately they are just covered head to toe in silly string, you know, all the way down this line, probably 30 feet long of people getting, you know, bird seed thrown at them and silly string and, and they were just laughing their asses off. And it was just like such a great like moment. The silly string surprise. If you, if you need something fun to do at the next wedding you go to, I highly recommend the silly string surprise. It's always a good one. It's always a good one. Um, and, uh, and, and then they like jump in the truck and after we like cashed out all our silly string cans, we like threw them in the back of the truck and then we crowd around the truck and we're like bouncing the truck up and down and they finally get it started and pull off. And, you know, then you just keep laughing and celebrating and hugging and everything. And, and I remember after the wedding, um, after everything kind of broke down, we ended up sticking around and finishing off the beer and everything. And, and, uh, me and my buddy Taylor, um, you know, uh, rode back to the hotel together and set out in the parking lot and, and, you know, had one more drink and just like debriefed the whole day. And we both like, he had the exact same, you know, just magical feelings that I had. I mean, everybody had it, but you know, he and I had like really truly experienced all of the same, like amazing parts of that wedding. And uh, so it was just fun to like debrief that with him and, and just kind of go through all of it again and, and just relive it almost immediately after. And we both agreed, like, it was the most beautiful wedding we had ever seen. Maybe nothing else will top it. And, and it was just, it was just fantastic. It was just fantastic. And, uh, I, I just loved everything about it. So Scram and Rachel, if you're listening, thanks for having the best wedding ever. And after that wedding, I don't really remember anything else that happened for the rest of that year. Um, but it was an amazing year, uh, as far as my mind can remember. And, uh, before we knew it, uh, 2012 was started and that's what we're going to talk about next time. During that episode next week, I'm going to catch you up on a few things, uh, that, uh, had been happening over the previous years, um, that I maybe have, uh, breezed over or not mentioned much. And so I'm going to talk to you about our new church situation at this new church we were going to called Fellowship North, which really brings us into all of the rest of my future, all the way up to present day. You're going to hear all about that next time. You're also going to hear about the situation in my heart and what God was doing in me. And God was doing this thing where he was making me love everything that I used to hate. What an amazing thing to experience. And then finally, at the end of 2012, I'm going to tell you about the biggest, most impactful event of my adult life, which was this thing called Men of the Ozarks. Stick around for that next week, and I'll tell you all about it. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.